Welcome to this podcast on the increasing role of regulation on investing in the world of tech. Here at Freshfields, we've developed a global tech regulatory report to help investors better understand how changes in the regulatory environment impact tech business models and commercial practices. My name is Rafiq Bashur. I'm an antitrust partner here at Freshfields, and I'm delighted to welcome two of my partners, M&A specialists and lead tech lawyers in the firm, Natasha Good and Lars Mayer. They will discuss whether regulatory developments targeting tech companies are set to disrupt a record year of tech dealmaking. 2021 is set to be a record year for global M&A. According to data compiled by Refinitiv, global M&A has climbed to a record $3.9 trillion by September this year, more than double the amount from the same period last year and up from $2.6 trillion in 2019. Perhaps unsurprisingly, the tech sector has accounted for the bulk of this activity, representing 21% of all M&A activity, up from 16% last year. According to a PwC report, total deal value in the tech sector has doubled and the average deal size has increased by 134.2% in the first two quarters of 2021, when compared with the same period in 2020. Yet total deal volume is down by 12.7%. So what we're seeing this year is a trend towards larger investments in high value tech targets. So Natasha and Lars, why has tech investment activity been so high despite unprecedented global challenges resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic? Yes, so Rafiq, it's true that actually many parts of the tech sector have emerged unscathed from the pandemic. And indeed, for many of them, there's very significant opportunity as we demand more online services and greater connectivity. And so actually, it's not only the deal making that is at an all time high, but actually, there's been a proliferation of tech companies, and also their valuations have significantly increased. And that's put a put an even greater spotlight, if you like, on the opportunity. If you look at GP Bullhound's Titans of Tech 2021 report, they observe that Europe's unicorns have a combined value of around $800 billion, and that's nearly double the 2020 value of Europe's unicorns, which tells you that there's a very significant increase in value and in there there's a proliferation of the number of companies as well. Yeah, I can totally echo that. There's certainly been no shortage of funding during the pandemic. So we've seen ever more creative and sophisticated funding options through both equity and debt, actually. IPO markets have been strong, including because of spec listings, of course. And now you have de-spec transactions as an additional route to further funding and as a uh, liquidity event for founders and investors. And so What this means is that valuations soar, that individual ticket sizes for investors get larger. And that in turn means you have a broader pool of financial investors, now also the large cap funds participating in funding rounds for emerging companies. And um, in fact, data also shows that the proportion of investments by non-tech companies into tech companies is growing at the same time. And so... For the companies, this means access to liquidity and ever stronger global tech companies in particular, which has fueled M&A activity in the tech space. And that, interestingly, 
and expectedly has prompted agencies in many parts of the world to up their powers and seek new tools to review and intervene in tech and data-driven M&A deals. So regulators are working to understand the implications of AI, data, quantum computing, and other technologies on national security, on the consumer, and on competition. And at the same time, they're crafting evolving regimes, increasing intervention um, is something that you see in especially tech and data-driven transactions. And so there's a lot going on, certainly, in the tech space. Thank you, Natasha and Lars. Another question for you. What are regulators concerned about and what measures are they taking to further scrutinize tech deals? Yeah, so as Lars was saying, there's a huge amount going on at the moment. And in terms of actual regulation around the deals themselves, rather than the the nature of the ongoing business. So around the deals themselves, there are really two pillars of concern around this type of regulation. And those are basically around national security on the one hand and foreign control. Now, those two things are very closely linked, but the drivers behind them can differ slightly. So what we've seen is many countries who've been tightening their national security rules, giving the state greater authority to look at deals, scrutinise deals and potentially make requests for concessions or even block those deals. And then if you look at the the US-China trade war, that has also driven in some ways is a focus for some countries on their own position in the global race for tech, if you like, and, and how relevant they are. And that has encouraged also some thinking behind purely foreign ownership and whether certain assets in a country are sufficiently important that that there need to be restrictions on uh, foreign ownership and, and therefore intervention potentially coming from regulation in that respect as well. So what we've been seeing in relation to deals is that thresholds for looking at deals have been significantly lowered. And now we have a sort of proliferation of rules around the world and a patchwork quilt, if you like, of different rules, which deal doers really need to be aware of because they need to understand what is going to fall within scope, whether there are thresholds or whether they're very, very low, whether their deal will fall in scope and be scrutinised and then from there work out what process they need to put in place to get through the deal. And the US has led the way in this really for many years with their CFIUS regime that many people are familiar with. And what we've now got is many countries uh, mimicking CFIUS type regimes in some ways. So the impact that we're seeing on deal doing is really the key thing is longer deal timeframes. You've got a a sort of lots of new agencies out there who are looking at deals in a different way, taking into account different factors and it's not, you know, it's not the same process that, that 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 we've seen in the past, which has been very centered on antitrust type considerations. That's there, of course, still. It hasn't gone away, but added to that now are, the, are these additional rules, which are very, very focused on tech targets. And I should should maybe say that it's not everybody uh, or every type of business that's going to get caught up in this type of regulatory scrutiny in a deal, but it's focused particularly around things like the semiconductor industry, um, but also sensitive areas of tech like AI, quantum computing, also networking equipment, and actually sometimes, in some instances, fintech. Natasha, and to your point on national security and foreign investment, absolutely share the impression that uh, regimes are 
rapidly evolving. And at times, I think we're almost a bit puzzled that, for example, you see in Europe, you see purely intra-European transactions potentially triggering um, foreign investment reviews in some countries, which certainly adds complexity and delays in, in closing of these transactions. And beyond national security and foreign interest, there's antitrust. There's been an updating of those rules as well. Traditionally, those only captured higher value deals undertaken by significant market players. And again, the proliferation of innovative tech businesses that you mentioned, uh, which are pre-scaling, pre-significant funding, were traditionally not caught. And now the rules have been changed in many instances to lower monetary thresholds, very similar to enable retrospective reviews of completed tech transactions, which are now underway in some countries. And also applying existing rules in more liberal ways to cast the net wider. And so as an example, the change in administration in the U.S. has led to an increased focus on big tech and data, which has been or had been evident in Europe for some time. And so tech companies there are certainly facing increased regulatory scrutiny in their attempts to buy tech and data-rich assets, regardless of their value. And so depending on how these regimes continue to evolve, I think there is a question of will we see an uptick in joint ventures, in strategic collaborations, in minority investments, all of which may still make sense as an alternative to a full-on buyout because they can still be a catalyst for innovation. They also enable industries to converge, take autonomous vehicles, for example, where you have a lot of collaboration, joint venture type deals. They open new use cases or customer bases and they still enable players to take a strategic foothold in new markets through a local partner. Thank you, Lars. Fascinating, yet very complex. Now, with these developments, will it still be possible for the largest tech players to continue to invest in high-value assets with market scale? So, so Rafik, I think absolutely. There could be timing implications, as, as Lars and I were saying, and a few challenges along the way. But I do think that agencies will need to apply their rules carefully. And if they do have genuine concerns, it, it may be possible for the parties to make commitments and, and work around those in some way. So, for example, potentially, could you agree not to combine a certain target data set with existing product lines for a period of time, for example? But actually, personally, I do hope that, that agencies and regulators will recognise the importance that buyouts do play in encouraging innovation. You know, a material factor that we see for innovators and their early stage funders when they take on the risk of a startup is the very real prospect of being able to sell the startup to an established player. And you know, that might be a tech company, a private equity player or an established industrial who's on the buy side. So I do think that balance is very important. And Lars, in your view, what does this all mean for tech investors? How will deals be impacted by this evolving regulatory landscape? Yeah, I, I would probably answer this question, Rafik, in to the f- three buckets. One is deal execution. Obviously, deal processes and timelines are facing disruption um, as a result of increased intervention by antitrust and other agencies. Second, I think there's a point around the business models and competitiveness of the tech businesses themselves. The companies themselves are navigating 
a dynamic and an increasingly complex regulatory environment for their own business models. They're navigating new developments in consumer law, privacy, tax, the gig economy. Uh, so, for example, data legislation may impact a company's ability to scale or monetize its services. And incoming platform regulation may impact its distribution strategy. So you're dealing with a very dynamic environment for the target business itself. And that then translates into, I think, the third area, which is due diligence from the acquirer's perspective, which despite, I would say, ever increasing speed and competitiveness of these processes, investors need to diligence targets with future legislation in mind to protect the value of their investments. So things around data and IP and scanning the regulatory horizon for what might be coming up that will have a material impact. I completely agree. I think that's a, a critical point to note that being cited on on the incoming and evolving legislation for acquirers. That is a, as Lars says, a, a fast moving and fairly complicated affair at the moment, but it really does go to the heart of the value of the target. Now, prep is key and going into a deal with eyes wide open is critical to my mind. So Natasha, how can tech investors prepare for greater scrutiny and intervention on deals? Yeah, so <laughs> I think I think it's a, a little bit uh, roughly more of the same in terms of a clear message is, here is be cited uh, on what's coming and monitor relevant legislative proposals very carefully and that that's really the first line of defense and you know many of these developments will evolve during the legislative process so actually what you need to understand is the direction of travel of the regulators and that involves a slightly more sophisticated understanding of what worries them what they're looking at and how they might seek to to create some protections um, so think very hard about, from the investor side, the investor needs to think very hard about what they care about most and what they're really looking for when they look forward into the deal and test what might bite on that, what might be problematic, and make sure that those things you care most about are as pre protected as you can get them in the deal. And there's a great team of leading tech practitioners at Freshfields from around the world who have developed a global tech regulatory report to help investors better understand how the proposed legislative pipeline may impact tech business models, practices, and deals, because a number of those proposals, as we've said, Rafiq, could affect the value and growth potential of tech and data-driven targets. And so this report has an overview of relevant legislative, regulatory, and enforcement developments across Europe, the US, Asia-Pacific, to inform the tech investment strategy of both strategic and financial investors. And it covers antitrust and competition, data and cyber, foreign investment, content regulation, but also tax and consumer protection, of course. And so it's a great source of knowledge from across Freshfields Network and one that I definitely recommend looking at. Natasha, Lars, I'd like to thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with us today. And thanks, everyone, for listening. If you would like to get a copy of our interactive reports, please do use the link that appears at the end of this episode. Thank you and goodbye.